Hillary, hello. Welcome Hi, back. Jackie. Thank you. It's good to be back. I I saved some room for you on my door. <laughs> a la our Titanic episode. <laughs> Can't wait. I'm going to take up all of it. Well, this film I wanted to uh, I wanted to talk to you about today is much shorter than Titanic, which I I think the bar is pretty low <laughs> for films that are shorter every, than Titanic. Almost every movie is shorter than Titanic, although I will continue my campaign to get you to watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which is much much longer. <laughs> yes, that is I know that is much longer and that is definitely another podcast series I think that I need to dive into but um this is a bit opposite this yes. is a Tom Hanks Meg Ryan movie it's Sleepless in Seattle ah Sleepless in Seattle the one of the great rom-coms of our generation nay our culture I can't believe you've never seen it <laughs> I I guess I also have because I mean all I really know is Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan. I know they're like the rom-com power couple, so I can only assume it's like guy wants girl, girl doesn't want guy, guy gets girl. Maybe it's that storyline or maybe it's like we used to be friends in high school and now we're both single again. I don't know, but it'll end with a happy love ending. That's for sure. <laughs> I won't spoil a thing. Oh, lovely. Okay, well, I'm going to go fall in love with Tom <laughs> Hanks, I guess. <laughs> All right, talk to you after. Uh, just swooning thinking about it. Welcome to Jackie Watches Stuff. This is a podcast chronicling my cinematic quest to finally watch the movies I probably should have already seen. And I'm bringing my friends along with me. I have a problem. I'm not sleeping right. And I think it's because I, this is actually getting very tragic. That was a bad lead in, but I watched Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> I watched it. Sleepless in Seattle, the movie that taught me about insomnia. Yeah. I mean, I was going to go into like a, a radio show bit, but then I realized the reason why he wasn't sleeping is because he tragically lost his wife, which is very sad. And so I didn't want to go down that path. <laughs> and so here I am. I watched it. It was cute. It's a cute movie. It was darling, but I am going to attempt to recap this whole thing in 30 seconds. Very good. I'm I am pulling up a stopwatch, so I'm ready to time you. I Okay, I'm ready. Very okay. nervous, but ready. On your mark, get set, go. Okay, this guy named Sam, he suddenly loses his wife and his son calls into a radio station because he's really concerned about his dad. And then suddenly a bazillion women decide that they're in love with him, including this woman who is about to get married, but thinks it's fate and that it's telling her otherwise. So she writes a letter and basically in gets invited to Seattle by the kid's son and she goes anyway, but she kind of chickens out and then goes back to Baltimore. But the kid is like super determined. So he gets his girlfriend to hack his mom's computer system so they can he can go to New York City to meet this girl. So he goes and waits. Meanwhile, this girl breaks off her engagement, but then they meet on the top of the Empire State Building and everything's okay. Okay. Maybe. You did that in about 35 seconds. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. I just... You know, I mean, it's a typical rom-com. Well, it's a, it's a meta rom-com, right? Because it's like this woman is kind of living out an actual rom-com herself. Well, it's not really a rom-com, but a romance film herself. It's a whole thing. 
I was going to say, it's not that typical of a rom-com because Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan spend like less than five minutes on the screen together. That is a good point. That is a very good point. We watch their their stories develop, but we don't watch them develop together, which is why I meant to, I should have said like everything works out great and they all live happily ever after, possibly, because we really only see like, oh, wait, maybe we should get together one time and grab a coffee kind of vibes and we don't really see what happens next like maybe annie's the worst yeah who knows i mean i kind of think that annie is the worst i am i agree with that you are welcome to open the discussion with that theory i i support it go ahead so i love meg ryan um i have seen a lot of rom-coms with her in them if you haven't seen when harry met sally it is one of my very favorite movies i think that she is wonderful I remember watching this movie in high school and enjoying it also. And I watched it again for this podcast as an adult. And I was just filled with horror at my teenage self who liked this movie because this woman is a creep and this woman needs a restraining order and like Mm -hmm. all the therapy in the world, all the therapy, all the therapy, because everything that she's going through has nothing to do with poor Tom Hanks. Who's just trying to grieve his wife. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah. Annie sucks and justice for Walter because everything she hated about her love story that she already had was, I don't know. It seems super appealing to me. Yeah. I mean, she, she gets in this like mental zone of this idea of the magic and you feel like you're meant to be because it gets hyped up in films, which like bless Rosie O'Donnell for, I mean, I know it's her character, but like calling her out being like movies ruined you, Annie, (laughs) like movies made you feel like you had to feel this way and you seemingly love your fiance. And I, I don't quite understand their relationship. Like, physically like because he seems to be traveling a lot or something and also she's like oh yeah family by the way this is my my boyfriend oh wait fiance good to meet him like it was very strange but she also the way that she just dumps walter for this quote love of this quote guy that she quote knows what that she knows from the radio and also has never spoken to except hello and also walter is super cool with it Mm. yes his getting dumped like acceptance speech is absolutely stunning and the most i think honestly the most unbelievable aspect of this whole film seriously like, hashtag justice for walter holy he is cow. he is the best character in the movie you will not change my mind he's the only, well no that's not true tom hanks moderately does not suck either <laughs> but so harsh but, but, i think I think the actor that played Jonah is the MVP, in my opinion. But yes. Well, no, Jonah Jonah also low-key sucks because he hates his dad's girlfriend for literally no reason except she has an annoying laugh. That's it. She has an annoying laugh and she's not – not that she's not his mom, which I could excuse that and I understand that. But she he hates this new girlfriend because she's not – this random girl that wrote this letter that one time (laughs) correct correct she's not this woman from the letter who listened to the radio and knows about the baltimore orioles right and that's it yeah that's That's, absolutely it yeah the Uh, only way the movie works is if you do believe in fate yes i want to can i need to talk about the idea of fate 
because that is the a big theme in this film. And this I when Annie goes to see her brother in a panic and is like, okay, tell me how you knew you wanted to marry your wife. Like, talk to me about how you how you felt about her, how you feel about her now. Is fate real? I have absolutely felt this way about life like of this like wait everybody else seems to feel differently like that the world just is is in technicolor and everything feels happy and I can hear the birds sing and the grass is greener and like having that feeling of like wait am I am I broken for not feeling like that I don't know and it's movie's fault people it is movie's fault it's definitely movie's fault I hate it (laughs) I hate it and then the, when her mom tells that whole story about like fate and meeting her dad on the pier and then they talk about the sandwich order and it's like, oh, when we held hands, I couldn't tell where my hand started and his hand ended, which is just weird. I mean, generally, mm-hmm. like, don't you know? I mean, everybody says like, I know it like the back of my hand. That means like you're so very familiar with the back of your hand that you couldn't <laughs> figure out which was your, I don't know. Now I'm getting annoying about this, but it was, it was just the, it was, it freaks me out. I feel like as an adult, I freaked out a bit because I had those same feelings that Annie felt about is fate real versus if I watched this when I was a teenager, I could just feel hopeful and hope that one day I would find someone who completed me. Well, I think it's not even just that it's fate, but it's that this message of everyone has the exact same feelings and approach to their love story. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't have it that exact way, then it's wrong. That is true. That's That's a good point. I think that beyond the fate thing is kind of what gets me because it's not necessarily, I mean, you can believe in fate or you cannot believe in fate. In my own relationship, I, I have felt sometimes that there was a little bit of just with the timing of how everything worked out for me, I have felt a little bit like, oh, it seems like if I really believed in that sort of thing, you know, there could have been some kind of a, a a guiding force that led me there because you never know. Everything is so based on chance. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, how it felt for me definitely wouldn't have been how it would have felt for anybody else, probably including him, you know, during during that time of when you meet and get to know each other and do all of that. And it's, you know, what I was looking for wouldn't necessarily be what someone else is looking for. And it's, it's just a strange message where that, that Annie is listening to all of the people around her and, you know, her, by which I mean her mom and Sam on the radio Mm -hmm. and, Oh, an affair to remember apparently where it has to feel this specific way. And then when she goes to her brother who probably has, he seemed to have the most realistic, not realistic. That's kind of depressing where he was like, no, well she had, we had to get married or break up. And so it was a, you know, shit or get off the pot kind of a situation for me. And she was like, but magic and stuff. And he was like, well, no, it's not really like that. Like, if you're going to be with somebody, if you're going to get married and be married to them for your whole life for decades, not every single moment is super magical and fantastic. And it's, you know, even if it starts out that way, 
you need to look for a little bit more of a foundation than, wow, I felt something when we held hands and it looked like we had the same hand. I don't know. Yeah. Or like we ordered the same sandwich but different bread, which to Annie's credit, she was like, okay, mom, a lot of people order that sandwich. Like it's not it's not a thing. It is a cute story though. Like if she's looking for a meat cute, that's a cute story. It is cute. I mean, I think I think that's the and we see the problem through Annie's through the story of Annie uh, with this idea that I mean now we're getting I'm like spiraling it's like all within itself but we watch Annie kind of get hyper fixated on these movies we see her and um I actually don't even remember Rosie O'Donnell's character's name in this film but we see her and uh, Rosie sitting on the couch yeah. and watching that film and they mouth every word so they're they're so deep in this idea they're like I don't want to say brainwash that's a little rude but they're just getting blasted this message of this is how love works. This is what love looks like. And so yep. Annie kind of freaks herself out to say, wait, my love doesn't look like that. Is my love wrong? And yes, exactly. And she has something perfectly nice, right. which may not may or may not have been right for her, but there was very, and maybe this goes down to bad storytelling or something, but there just didn't for me seem to be a particularly good foundation of there's something missing from this relationship mm -hmm. where yeah. you, you know like if she seems perfectly happy she does until she's like crying on this radio station but you're right she goes and she just jumps very quickly into this idea of fate not taking any responsibility for you know how she is doing in her own relationship she's like sending a private investigator to track down this poor man in a restaurant oh gosh, I know. and using her press credentials to find his house. Yeah. This is all a big plot hole that I don't, I just like, <laughs> I let it go. I was kind of hoping you would offer some insight since you've seen this many times. Like, no. So, so seemingly, I mean, granted, we are we are in the early '90s. We do not. We, I mean, the the 2020 version, 2021 version of this film is she would go immediately to Facebook, right, and like try to stalk <laughs> yes. him. She would very easily do it because his privacy settings like don't exist, right, and she'd be able to gather all this information about him and like Seriously. go to his house, right? Like it's so she different. Could have just now. messaged him herself and been like, "Hi, I'm still physically in Baltimore." And I am in no danger of coming to find you, but right. I found you. Right. Yeah. Or, well, I mean, could you imagine all the random sliding into DMs that uh, Sam would get if we were in the oh, 2021 God. version? Of well, truly, probably... no one would hear it because who listens to the radio in 2021? But honestly, he seems like one of those really nice guys who doesn't even have a Facebook. Oh, that's so true. Or it's like he only made a Facebook. Because his wife wanted her him to, and so he's exclusively just tagged he's on, everything. He's on Facebook because he manages her in memory of Maggie Facebook. Oh, good call. There we go. We've 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 cracked we've, it. We've written the 2021 <laughs> version of Sleepless in Seattle. Thank you very much for coming, everyone. His profile um, picture is one scanned photo of him, and there is absolutely <laughs> no other Facebook presence whatsoever. I thought you were gonna say it was like the American flag or like something. No, else or like his kid no. when but like when his kid was a baby or something maybe i don't know i think that's more of a if it, if it was the other way around and he was the dead one and his wife was alive that would probably have been what it was that's true no, i think it that's would have so just true. been one fit picture like one really bad grainy picture of him 
and nothing else. <laughs> One bad grainy picture. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. But I, I think that was the biggest thing that made me like screaming at my television while watching this movie as an adult in my thirties mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I was like, bitch, you should be losing your job for this. This is incredibly unethical. Yeah. Like, oh, I guess, I guess the way that they try to dodge around it is that Rosie O'Donnell is apparently also her editor and encouraging her to write a story about this guy. But right. there have to be, and I assume there had to be in the nineties also like rules and regulations in place to protect protect privacy so Mm -hmm. i'm sure there are avenues that she could have used to reach out and gotten a legitimate interview with this guy if she was actually interested in talking to him face to face versus what she did what which was use the avenues available to her and hire a pi and find out what this guy did for a living and where he lived and then fly across the country Mm -hmm. by herself during mm-hmm. the holiday season mm-hmm. to creep behind a building while he just played on the beach with his son and then not even say anything. Yep. And what the other thing that made me bonkers with all of this, her searching this guy with a very generic name, there were other Sams, and I'm forgetting his last name in this film, but there were other options. And she there just chose were, but one well, one was like a Guinness World world record holder and one was really old and one was dead like they if you had you have to read the other things like that he he was i think he was one of two likely candidates that she was like this seems like a normal that might have been it one was incarcerated one was dead and one was a guinness book world record holder of like shot put or something which I don't it could have now. been that totally could have been him. That's what I'm just saying. Is I there were other potential Sams. So she could have just like creeped on this random family. I mean, I know she then searched, I think Joan I think she searched Jonah's name with Sam and kind of like triangulated it. But yeah. that still I was like, mm, lucky guess. Good I job, know. Annie. Either lucky way guess. though, if I were a single parent and someone had done this to me. Oh my God, that would have been a very different scene on top of the uh, Empire State Building. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> but that's the thing too is like Sam, and and maybe I'm just forgetting now. But Sam wasn't super in the know about everything going on because Jonah had inter not intercepted the letter. He told his dad, but he ended up Jonah ended up writing back that very very profound letter that was like, I think you're neat, and it absolutely should have been a tip off to. Annie, who is presumably an adult woman with two brain cells to rub together, like this is clearly written by a nine-year-old. Okay. <laughs> like clearly written by a nine-year-old. You sound neat. Let's meet at the Empire State Building, thousands of miles away from where I live in Seattle. Like, yeah, no, and where you live, seemingly. In- oh no, but she suggested it. No, she that was, was involved. It. Oh, she's that's right. She suggested it which because is she worst. was going to be there. Mm-hmm. Which is oh, why Annie's the worst. worst. She was like, "Hey, while I'm in New York with my fiance, who is paying for everything." On a, random, on a romantic meet. weekend, why don't mm-hmm. I'm just going to scurry away and meet you yeah. to live out my fantasies somehow? I'm just, I'm just still like in my mind rewatching that scene where Bill Pullman, uh, Walter is like, "Oh yeah, go right ahead." Like, yeah, go I right get ahead. it. Oh wait, he's probably still there. Go to him. Yeah, go like, right now. 
again, justice for Walter. Walter is the man that no one does. Like the truest line in the movie is that he was too good for her. For real. Because I, he's too good for me. Lord knows because if something like that happened to me, I would not be like, go find your true love that you've only spoken to. Via a letter that one time. Well, via a letter that one time, but in person, you've only said hi to each other. You know nothing about each other except where you live. And apparently she knows literally everything about him, but he doesn't know anything about her. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you like to eat? And where did you grow up? And what are your interests? And what are your politics and religion? And how are your finances? And all the important things that you do need to talk about in a relationship. I know it doesn't fit into the rom-com thing, but like in a lot of the romantic comedies that I'm used to watching, the couple has spent some time together and there's mm-hmm. some off-camera time actually having conversations. And yeah. in my head, I can imagine that they've actually spent some time hashing out the important stuff so that when they're doing the romantic kiss in the sunset on a bridge on an airplane at the end of the movie like going off into the sun into the distance i don't know you you can think okay everything is going to work out fine because we have a solid foundation right well this is now they get to go build that hopefully maybe or else annie's gonna stop feeling the magic and then freak again and then leave tom hanks too which I don't want that for Sam. He just no, he just he lost his wife. Like I know, I know. And Sam had to break up with Victoria to like I don't think he's broken up with anybody. I don't think he's broken up with anyone at all. I think he's still seeing this Victoria. Mm. I think he's he was allowed. gonna I, I guess, but they were gonna like do the deed and then Sam ran away or not Sam, Jonah ran away. So mm-hmm. mm, That's I fair. mean I, Yeah. Was he gonna come? So, do you think Sam comes back from New York, being like, "Oh my gosh, thank you so much! I found my kid. Also, I found this girl. So, bye." Pretty, pretty much. I'm sure. Well, he sounds like a decent person, so he's probably like, "You know what? This time away has really made me realize that I need to focus on my kid, and Mm -hmm. I have a lot of other things going on right now. So, I'm really sorry. I can't see you anymore." Yeah. That's probably what happened. And then send Annie back home. Do we think, <laughs> since we're just shitting on Annie, sorry, she's, Annie. She's the worst. She's the worst. Meg Ryan's great. Annie's the worst. Uh, yeah. Do we think in this hypothetical that he ends up dumping, I presume both of them then, right? Like he dumps Victoria and all, not even dump, you can't even dump someone you're not dating, right? But like says, hey, listen, Annie, great to meet you. Thanks for the stalking. Super cool. Uh, no, though, maybe not now. So what? She goes back to Baltimore and then goes crawling back to Walter? Goes to therapy. Hopefully. <laughs> God, I don't know. I mean, he did briefly try to stalk her in an airport too before she realized who he was. So like. Fair possibly they're meant to be because they do have that in common but But in a different sort of and i'm not i'm not condoning this behavior but in a like this woman is attractive to me and i'm gonna see where she ends up and maybe i will be able to talk to her versus oh i glanced at this woman one time i'm gonna go exploit my press credentials no i agree i mean if you see someone if you see someone attractive on the street and you're not being like super sketchy about it it's okay to be like, hey, maybe I'll orchestrate a, a scenario in which we like maybe have a meet cute. And then if it mm-hmm. doesn't go anywhere, then you like let it go and then you walk away. That is very important. That is a very important clarification here. Yeah. Like if you approach a stranger and you express your interest and they say no, you say, okay, thank you very much for your time. And then you leave. 
Yep. That like, is called consent. That is definitely called consent. Just for the record. Like, I have, and this is me personally, I do not speak for all women. There are plenty of women out there that are like, hey, please don't approach me ever. And that is also completely valid. Mm-hmm. So I, I, just, I definitely just want to put that out there, lest anyone think that I have some sort of backwards views. I do not. However, that being <laughs> said, he sees this woman in an airport and he's like, hey, she's pretty. Maybe if we stand next to each other at baggage claim, we strike up a conversation. Okay, it's legit. And then she, and then he loses her, and he doesn't like go back to the gate and be like, "Hey, that woman with blonde hair and like a really like uh, unattainable braid." Oh, we need to talk about her hair later. But keep going. <laughs> oh, I have a worry. whole I, whole I, talking I, point on this. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, which seat was she in, and also what was her name, and where was she flying from, and yeah, you know, get, and then that that's bad, and we should not be doing that. So. He behaved moderately appropriate, inappropriately because his son was there and it was weird, but like, eh, I can, I can let it go. She mm-hmm. was there to find him like a creep. So I don't condone her yeah. actions whatsoever. Like she should have stayed home and <laughs> call and talk to him on the phone. Word. I do feel like now that we're talking about this, I feel like the better, I don't even want to call it a meet cute scene, right? Like that, the their first kind of quote encounter. I feel like it would have been cuter slash funnier if somehow they were both buying. They ordered sandwiches at the airport overpriced lunch spot, and they got each other sandwiches, a la the story of how her and Walter met. I that feel like would have been great, especially been since neither of them would have had any idea whatsoever. Right. What was happening? And then they would have had some sort of foundation like, hey, you know what? We did organically meet and find an attraction. And now the fact that she's here to find me is still incredibly creepy. But, you know, at least there's something there, theoretically, maybe. I don't know. I'm trying to find some sort of scenario where I can forgive this. But the whole movie, I was like, nope, 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 nope. Annie, this would get you arrested and you would lose your job. Yeah, she definitely should have. But again, like you said, Rosie O'Donnell was just like, "Yeah, you should definitely go and do that thing. You have to investigate it." Okay, bye. Yeah. So oh, like, oh my god, you went to you went all the way there and you didn't even say more than hello to him, and then you came home and you said this line, and it was from the movie that we idolize, and now we have to talk about fate some more. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, this is a bad boss. This is a bad boss. She I should know. have lost her job too. I was gonna say she definitely would have had to take the fall for that. Oh yeah. But can we talk about Meg Ryan's hair in this film? Absolutely. Go on. I thought it was stunning. It was stunning. I know you you use the word unattainable, but I assume that (laughs) means like to us common folk that don't have a hair and makeup crew. Well, just unattainable unattainable to anyone who doesn't have Ryan's glorious flowing hair. Like, how does she do that? It. How does she make her hair in every single movie that she's in? I mean, I understand that she has a hair and makeup department, but also her hair looks so full. And Mm -hmm. like when I braid my hair, it looks like this limp little strand of nothing yeah she makes it look like she just i don't know came off of a milk farm in holland or something <laughs> god it's so funny because in my head when i think meg ryan i think short hair meg ryan so sure. seeing her with like long beautiful thick luscious amazing incredible 
hair in this yeah. film. I was like, who am I even looking at? Like, this is beautiful. But yes, her hairstyle throughout this film was stunning, mm-hmm. on point the whole time. Even the messy bun look of like the stressed messy bun, beautiful. But like hanging out with Rosie, watching the film, hair down, beautiful. She's wearing like the 90s scrunchie that is apparently coming back around beautiful. She pulls it out of the scrunchie and her hair falls perfectly. She doesn't have any of that weird crimpy line thing that I always get. Like, stunning. Stunning, 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 stunning. Yep. Highly jealous. I need her shampoo. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but I need it in my life. I have no idea. I have no idea what she uses. And it seems like it would be invasive to ask, but also maybe someone's asked her before. Who knows? No, the people need to know. They need to know. (laughs) Well, let me go wash my hair. We'll take a break and we'll talk about some fast facts. Okay. I'm about to get on a plane to go to New York City to meet Hillary Croce at the top of the Empire State Building, so I'll make this quick. Thank you, Hillary, for being a guest this week. It was a pleasure as always. And of course, thanks to our Academy level and above supporters on Patreon for your support of this show. They are Ebru, Lindsay, Logan, Donna, Tom, Hannah, Mick, Missy, Paul, Bree, Jarrett, and Linda. Thank you so much. If you want to be a patron and support the show, plus get some cool stuff, head over to our website, patreon.com slash Jackie Watches Stuff for all the details or check out our show notes. Do you want a mug that says, no, I haven't seen that movie? Do you want a pillow that says, have you considered therapy? Well, you're in luck. Head over to our show notes. We've got a link to our dedicated merch store. And this is a great way to support our show. Plus, get some really cool swag. Go check it out. Jackie Watches Stuff is available anywhere you find podcasts or on our website. We're at JackieWatchesStuff.com. Don't forget, give us a follow on Twitter. We're at Jackie Watches. Or you can find us on Facebook, Jackie Watches Stuff Podcast. All right. My plane's about to take off. See you in New York. Oh, my hair is just so full and luscious and perfect and like my Brian's now. Well, there you go. You Thank you for right letting shampoo. me go wash my hair. Yep. <laughs> perfect now. Just imagine me with very full – I'm just like braiding it actually as we talk in a in a beautiful and, side braid headband. Perfect. Yeah, um, that looks absolutely perfect and not a hair out of place and it's no, not going to randomly slide out for no reason. No, it's perfectly flat. But if it does slide out, it's in like a cute way. Right, right, like it's right, meant right. to be. <laughs> like it's meant to be, and then it just blows alluringly in the wind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> you painted the word picture perfectly. <laughs> so I wanted to. One of my fast facts is a fact that was in the movie, and I actually dug it up. Uh, it is the fact that it is easier get to get killed by terrorists than to be married over the age of forty for now, women. Is that actually a fact? Okay. Okay. There was a story that came out in Newsweek um, in June of 1986. And so this would have been like, what, like four or five years before they probably started conceptualizing and or filming this film. I don't know the timeline on how long it takes to make films, but this movie came out in the early 90s. Probably not this one very long. That's fair. It's pretty straightforward. (laughs) Sad girl runs to New York City. The end. Radio show. End. so the Newsweek cover story in 1986 uh, was called was titled "The Marriage Crunch: Is It Too Late for Prince Charming?" and it cited this study 
um, from researchers from Yale and Harvard. And it noted that women who were never wed, white, college-educated, over the age of 40, are more likely to be killed by a terrorist than to find a husband. And they said that it was due to a man shortage, which is concerning. Like, they basically said to women that, like, you're not probably going to find anyone because you're not going to find anyone suitable enough for you. And it like freaked everyone out. And so I think what was happening is when this film was being written, this was probably still a cultural talking point. And so they threw it in there. So I'm not sure if it was like in jest, like they they threw this in to be like, aren't you all like, wasn't that so funny back in 1986 when we thought this was a real thing or if they were being really serious? I'm not sure. But that was a real thing that was said publicly to people in America. I have a lot of questions about the study itself. Like, where did you get your data and how did you collect it? And (laughs) how large is your sample size? And what, what, what in the world was in fact the population in this year where you call a man short there, there is no shortage of men. Maybe there's a shortage of suitable men. Like let's talk about, standards maybe that's the problem (laughs) yeah i think it was because like oh if you're over 40 you know you as a woman can't marry anyone unless they're over 40 as well and so there was a shortage of suitable men that's the way they phrased i see but if the only thing if we're also talking about college educated women with careers over 40 we're talking about a very a much smaller uh sample size here because we Mm -hmm. are presumably also looking for college-aged, or college-aged, college-educated men over 40. And I don't know, man, I went to college and I mean, I'm not over 40, but I, when I entered the dating pool, was like, okay, I need to find someone with a brain who treats me nicely. And I mean, my standards were certainly much higher than that. It sounds like they weren't, but they were, you know, you're, you're looking for certain things that are compatible with yours. And when you are dating at a certain age you're not really willing to settle on the things that you don't want to settle for Mm -hmm. so i'm this is me looking for any sort of like relevancy to a study like that to make it make sense in my brain because if you just take it on a face level like when i watched that movie i was like there's a there's no way that's true b that is horribly horribly insulting um but if we talk about like okay i'm not gonna just pick the first like schlub that i meet in the grocery store um yeah yeah i think the narrative that was being written was oh if you a woman didn't get married in your early 20s because you either went to college or said like looked towards bettering your career you missed the boat like that was the narrative that was being written well, Which it's gag. still, I mean, we're talking about this in 2021. We thankfully have moved on a bit from that. Um, I think we still have a long way to go when it comes to like women and how can you balance, like, how do you pick a career or a family, but men can never have, have to pick? <laughs> like, can she have it all? Can she? I don't know. Um, so yeah, we definitely have a long way to go, but I think that was the narrative that was being spun um, through this quote study. To your point about methods and sample size, etc. No idea. I'm, I'm no very idea. sorry. Um, no, that's okay. I cannot I just, find the literature. No, no. 
that's fine. I, I get, I didn't expect you to have all of the data. I just, that's my first question is yes. where in the world, what, what in the world are you just a bunch of like crusty professor dudes that are also single that are like, you know what? Women just don't want husbands because they're over 40 and that's mm-hmm. their problem because they missed the boat. Like, yeah. It's like, Oh wow. Eh. Huh? Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah so we do have a long way to go but that that was a real thing that was I I don't want to call it a fact because I don't think it's a true fact but it was a fact at the time (laughs) wild would you like a fast fact about sleepless in Seattle or would you like a fact about an affair to remember which this movie references frequently yeah that's I I mean that's like a fact a layers layers facts i love it go ahead all right so an affair to remember had uh it was actually a remake of a movie called love affair which were directed by the same person and uh almost starred several of the same people in the same circles and then um also inspired shows like the king and i that's a, that's kind of like a stacked uh i was gonna say cast but like crew i mean we see a fair an affair to remember i'm mean, like getting all these titles mixed up now we see that all the time um so i didn't know that that was part of the the layering there's a lot of i mean there was a lot of just back and forth with old-timey actors and i also read somewhere that um Cary Grant had initially wanted to be the male lead in the original Love Affair movie. Mm-hmm. Ugh, where did I find it? I read so many facts. You know how you read a lot of facts and then you go back to try to find the original fact? <laughs> it's just you're in a terrible you're in a deep, facts. You're a deep, deep hole of facts right now. Well, and I'm really someone who likes to triple check their facts. So I have a bunch of different um, fact windows open. <laughs> Fact windows. Fact windows. Oh, yes. Here we go. Yes. When the original film was in production, uh, Cary Grant had visited the set and he really wanted to play the lead because Irene Dunn, uh, who he had previously worked with, was playing the female lead in this uh, love story movie or love affair, whichever the title was. Too many love movies. Love affair. Love affair. Love affair. Um, so when the remake was done, he really wanted to do it, which turned out to be a classic and used as a basis for what Annie thinks love is. So it's all full circle. Yeah. I mean, truly, I mean, if you think about it, sleepless in Seattle is a very popular rom-com that probably presumably many people look to be like, Oh yes, this is, this is romance. So Mm -hmm. indirectly this movie has really influenced a whole new generation. So does that mean in like the next maybe 10 to 15 years, we're going to have a movie that the characters watch Sleepless in Seattle and they're like, I should do that. I found this guy on Tinder. It's got to be like, the, I'm trying to update it, right? Like, what's <laughs> the next version? Or I heard him on a podcast, I guess. That's it. That's it. You heard him on a podcast. <laughs> That's it. You heard him here first. <laughs> oh, very cool. Gentlemen, I'm taken. Yeah, I was going to say we were just talking about you celebrating your wedding anniversary. So that's that is a that is a thing. Sorry, yes. everyone. The Sorry. love story does not start here. On Off this the podcast. market. I already have my own very non-romantic internet love story. Internet love story. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, 
I did see like in terms of when we, we talked about casting and so I'll use my casting fact. Um, I'm sure you saw this and knew this, but I do have to note that Rita Hayworth, who is Tom Hanks's wife and was Tom Hanks's wife while this film was being shot, played his sister in the film, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dennis Quaid, who at the time was married to Meg Ryan, was actually offered the role of Sam, but it ended up going to Tom Hanks anyway. So there would have just been too much, too many layers in that. It would have been weird. <laughs> Back facts to uh, an affair to remember. Uh, did you know that that movie actually saved Cary Grant's life? No. Like because, how? Well, while they were filming, uh, one of the cameramen noticed that he had like a bump on his forehead and mm-hmm. like mentioned it to him. And uh, Cary Grant thought that it was a bruise that he'd gotten from uh, a USO tour that he'd done. Mm-hmm. But the studio was like, mm, reliable for everything. So we're sending you to the doctor and it was actually a tumor. Oh my gosh. I know. So they removed it after the filming ended on uh, An Affair to Remember, and he was a okay. But can you believe wow. it? Wow. Talk about fate, right? I know. See, it's a thing. I am yeah. I am a fate person, not to the extent I think that Annie's a fate person, but I I believe in those types of fate situations. Can I tell you this is this is a real and true story. Um I have a friend who uh, her dad this past summer was standing in a coffee shop or I don't know if he was standing in a coffee shop, but he was kind of out doing his errands one day. And this random woman who he'd never seen in his life came up to him and she said, Hey, I just, I know that this may sound very strange, but I've been working in the medical field for many years. And I really think that you need to go get your thyroid checked. Like, I can't explain why I think that. I just think that you need to go get your thyroid checked. So he went to get his thyroid checked and it was cancerous and he got it removed a few weeks ago. Real story. Wait, wait but how did the woman know? She was just I like. I don't know. Random stranger <gasps> on the street. Isn't that wild? That's wild. That's like guardian angel. Like that's like a movie. That's a real movie of like. This, <laughs> I know. Like the, you'll, that woman didn't really exist. It was like a guardian angel coming down being like. Just listen. I don't know, man. And there's no. And how is he supposed to find her? Because it's COVID. Never she, will. They were both wearing masks. Like I don't know how in the world she knew. But yeah, that's crazy. I know. I know. Wow, that beats all the facts that I have about this film. <laughs> and that I wasn't even I, about this. I film. mean, I didn't. I mean, I didn't even mean to intend to say that story. It's uh, not, you know, even my story. But it was just we were talking about fate, and that just popped into my head. That is nuts. I know. Wow. Well, I'm glad that that happened. Me too. (laughs) Holy cow. Oh, my God. I don't even have – I was like, do I have a (laughs) fate-related fact to segue to? But I don't think I do. I Um, never know. I guess – I mean, I I never know. I don't really know what I believe regarding fate. But sometimes, sometimes things just happen and you have mm -hmm. to be like, there's got to be something else because what was that? That is crazy. The closest fact I have that I have listed that involves fate, and it's not even a good fact, but I'm going to say it anyway, is that it's a personal fact. So this is my second film in a row that I got to see Tom Hanks, Bill Pullman, and Rosie O'Donnell together because they were together in A League of Their Own, and now they're here in Sleeps in Seattle. So that was was a fun fact. (laughs) 
they all got the gang got back together for this film that's that's a good fact the um sleepless in seattle movie completely revitalized an affair to remember and sales for the vhs because you know vhs is where a thing then that was the time rose to about two million dollars wow of this very very of this 1957 so not that old well i was gonna say but still certainly older than us yes wow and that that isn't surprising because it does take up I don't want to say take up takes up so much of the plot, but it is a key point to the plot. It is very. I mean, you talk. Meg Ryan talks about it all the time, and then even Tom Hanks and his friend or coworker or whoever they talk about Cary Grant yep. and what he would have been like. Yeah, like this movie affects everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is kind In of movie. interesting. But during, I do want to talk about that scene with Rita Hayworth where she's re, she's 30 second recapping the emotional edition um, of this film right after that, where the guys get emotional about the dirty dozen, another film I have never seen. Uh, Me neither. When they get super emotional about it, that whole thing was improvised. And because I was kind of laughing because Rita Hayworth is kind of giggling and her lip is quivering during that film or during that part of the film. And I'm pretty sure it's because she's breaking because that whole thing was improvised. Um, the two of them kind of getting worked up about another film. So um, that's really funny. That was really cute. They they did a really good job. It was adorable. Incidentally, they did a lot. They did a bit of ad libbing in An Agreeator Remember. As there I'm you told. go. So many parallels. I love it. Yeah. They improvised a lot because they, they got along really well. And I think he was a lot more of an experienced actor. Well, mm-hmm. or she's just being like, oh, he's, you know, so knowledgeable. Or he was a big movie star, whatever. Um, yeah. But they even left one of the scenes in the movie, probably kind of like this Dirty Dozen thing. I do have one final fact. I don't know if you had any more nope, affair to remember. I mean, those are it. great, great facts about this film that i didn't even think we'd have to talk about so i mean i i think it's important to give some time to an affair to remember i mean there's there's a lot of facts out there about sleepless in seattle but i honestly left the movie more interested in this other movie actually my last fact is kind of about sleepless in seattle but it's also about another film so i feel like this is a good note to end on okay so wink and a smile the song sung by harry connick jr who i love uh lost it was up for best original song and it lost to the song streets of philadelphia by bruce springsteen which is in the movie philadelphia starring tom hanks which i'll actually be watching next week so it goes full circle a shameless plug jackie come watch go listen to my podcast where i watch philadelphia but yeah so it lost (laughs) to another <laughs> Tom Hanks film. And Tom Han- this is like the Tom Hanks era because he has been sniping awards left and right. I mean, he wins mm-hmm. for big. He's he's going to win later this for is, Forrest Gump. Like, this is just how you win a lot of awards, Jackie. You star in every movie. That is true. That is very, mm-hmm. very true. Yeah, a little so. pro tip from me to you. Pro tip, LOL. I've never been in a movie before. You know <laughs> what I mean. No, we can just play it. Hillary's been in all the movies. Hillary is just as famous as... I'm th- I'm there in this movie in Sleepless in Seattle. I'm the teddy bear in the backpack. I love it. That's me. Oh, that was cute too. <laughs> that was really cute. Yep. But those are my facts. So I'm. I guess I'm. I was gonna say thank you, but let me first apologize. I guess I didn't. I didn't realize you would hate it. Second time I didn't around. realize <laughs> I would hate it, Jackie. I thought, oh yeah, I liked that movie in high school. I'll happily talk about it again. I'll watch it again. That's cool. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh my god, thirty year old Hillary has learned so much. Yeah. 
and 15 year old Hillary was an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can see it. I, I don't blame 15 year old <laughs> Hillary because I think 15 no. year old Jackie would like be swept up in this and maybe listening to more radio stations at the time waiting for her. Sam. Yeah. I think it's a good snapshot in time that this movie worked in the early 90s, but probably wouldn't work now. For a variety of reasons. I mean, yeah. social media is definitely up there. Radio. Okay. <laughs> what is radio? <laughs> I know. I know. It would have been a podcast for sure. But <laughs> I I think that a lot of the stuff that was done to make that connection would have been received poorly mm-hmm. by a, yeah. a normal 2021 audience. I I absolutely agree. I'm looking forward to in the next, you know, 10 years the movie based on the movie based on the movie. All of this, but in space. Don't forget, you can find this podcast anywhere you get podcasts or on our website, JackieWatchesStuff.com. You can support the show with Patreon or get some cool merch. Check out our show notes. All right, we'll see you next week where I watch Philadelphia. Philadelphia.